Hi everyone, it is Brian here from Bryden Firm, B-R-I-D-N Firm.com. And you can view all of our past videos and listen to our podcast at BrydenFirm.Productions. We actually have a little store over there as well, so you can check that out while you're there. Inspired today by Truly Julie. And I also want to give a little shout out to Cecilia Grace, who does kudos on wisdom, helping us celebrate our wins, big and small. And I do need to say, because this is the first talk I've done in probably two months, just simply because it's been a very busy spring and summer here at Bryden Farm with all of our animals and gardening and caring for the land and everything else that we've been doing. And I really wanted my first talk back to be reading the remainder of The Wizard of Oz, which I started last summer. And the reason I wanted that to be is because one of the people who loved that book, who bought that book because I was doing the reading, and who felt that he was a tin man, although those of us who knew him best knew that he had a very big heart. And that is our friend Curdy, who passed away since I've done my last podcast last talk on here and last reading of the Wizard of Oz. So I hope to someday soon come back and I think I'm going to finish that book. Two or three chapters left. I think I'm going to come back and do that all at one time if my voice or voices will allow me and contribute that dedicate that to Curdy, Curdy J. The, uh, it's funny on Wisdom. I have people on other platforms sometimes say, well, I, I, I tried Wisdom, but it didn't really work for me. Or, well, how, you know, how many people do you reach over there? Or similar questions. And, you know, you can reach hundreds, thousands, maybe tens of thousands of people on various social platforms. But there's very few, only one that I know of, where if you get involved, especially with the, what I'm going to refer to as the core speakers or the involved people on here, and it comes to my mind, maybe the evolved people on here, that you can form lifetime friendships on a social platform, which is pretty much unheard of. Now, because of that, not, not that we're fishing, not that we're fishing for money, because it's not about money, but 
the support that comes with that of building genuine friendships, even online, on social platform, on wisdom. Those things I have never found on any other platform. And so that's what keeps me coming back to wisdom. And even though I haven't had much time the last couple of months to be on here, those are the things. So part of my talk today is just catching up, talking about summer, garden, bride and firm, and our website, brideandfirm.com, of course. And one of those friends, Cecilia Grace, is actually just about to join the conversation. Yay. Hi, Cece. Hi, Brian. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Great. Thank you. Um, I just wanted to come and jump in before I head into work. I'll be listening to you, but I won't be able to talk. Um, <laughs> no worries. <laughs> we're actually getting ready for an event tomorrow, so doing all the floral arrangements for it. Oh, wow. Um, Subway. I, I heard the um, bell, the ding dong, and I thought maybe it was the airport, but then as I began to hear the click clock, I figured you must be in the underground. Yes, I'm, I'm uh, just getting out of the subway. Right? Um, so, what was I going to say? Yeah, I'm looking forward to hearing all the updates and stuff, but I just wanted to come up and quickly and say hello. And, I appreciate um, that. Yeah, and I wanted to say something else. Oh, it doesn't look like I'll be coming up there um, this summer anyway, <laughs> only because I just got back home, and um, I'm really loving it. And, of course, we don't plan. I didn't plan any of this, but, yeah, I'm just... Right? To be home Next year. I don't want to go anywhere right now. <laughs> Next <Yeah>. year. <laughs> right? Yeah, that hey, sounds uh, good. Uh, yeah. Yeah, all is well. Good, good. Um, I'm going to uh, stay tuned and, and hear all about what's going on at the farms. Tell Denise that I said hi and Roscoe and all the beautiful beings at Brighton Farms. All right. Thank you, Cece. Thanks, Brian. Bye. <laughs> uh, she's such a wonderful soul. The, uh, and I'm not saying that just because she's listening. <laughs> in fact, I think I had already given her a plug because she does. She has her talk as kudos. Um, if I'm remembering right, because it's been a while since I've been in Wisdom, 8 o'clock, usually, Eastern Time. Now, that might vary a little bit. Um, kudos to Cecilia Grace, because she has given herself the grace to change the time of that talk accordingly. And we have people on here, friends like Truly Julie, who are, you know, across the pond and few hours ahead of us so if it's always at the same time sometimes it's difficult for those people to attend as well but cecilia does a great job of allowing us to share our wins big and small and she'd invite you to do the same whether you're listening live right now or you may listen to this later be sure to check that out kudos with cecilia grace and uh I was just before I started this little talk, I was talking to Truly Julie, who was encouraging me to, you know, kind of monetize our online aspect. Um, you can buy me a coffee, <laughs> buymeacoffee.com. I think it's slash Bride and Firm, 
uh, on our website, brideandfarm.com. Of course, you have a link there to that. The other thing is our website, brideandfarm.productions, which is where you'll find our videos and podcast episodes and our little store set up on there. So, And the other way is brian at brydenfarm.com is my email, and of course, email transfers. And really, I don't come on here to to beg for money. Anything is appreciated. But really, I just come on to catch up because it's been a couple of months. I'm feeling guilty. I'm a wisdom mentor, which I take very seriously. But because of the time of year, um, we have here at Bryden Farm, we actually, we own 22 acres and we manage another seven with a about a 1200 square foot barn and seven acres of what was slash sort of still is seven acres of burnout hay field and the reason i say you know was because our animals have been over there since the 31st of august last year and the work that those animals are doing is just absolutely incredible we uh, have goats and we put our goats in to the not just the hay field but in the woods surrounding so it's like a woodland pasture um, regenerative farming rotational pastures whereby we move our goats at least every 30 days really more realistically we move them about every week to two weeks and we've learned that the grass has a growing cycle and if you work within five to twelve days then you can help grow more grass the uh there's this grass there's growth stages um as we'll, we'll refer to it as hay rather than getting into all the types of grass but if you're growing hay or green grass that's actually growing hay's kind of after it's dried but green grass that is growing the first four inches takes a long time to grow and the way i'm going to describe this i'm going to try to keep it simple and give you a mental picture even though it's not quite that simple but the first four inches take a long time to grow the next four inches the midlife of that grass grows with rapid growth and then the last four inches is the senior where life kind of starts and slows down if you allow the grass to come up to the four inches and graze it well then it's going to take forever for that to regrow if you allow it to come up to say the next four inches so eight inches and then you graze, allow the animals to graze it back down chew it back down to four inches and then move them and leave it sit that rapid growth happens and you can put your animals back there and really because of parasites you want to move goats every 30 days 
And that way you don't have to give chemicals and dewormers and all those nasty things. If you allow the pasture to rest for 90 days, that allows the parasite cycle to end and you're not bothered by that. If you hear the heavy breathing in the background, that's my boy Roscoe. Just come in from outside. He's the dog who's pictured in the picture, my profile picture. The uh, So for goats, move them every 30 days. Don't leave them on the same ground any longer than that. That doesn't mean you can't move them faster. And depending on your vegetation growth, your grass growth, you can move them every 5 to 12 days and manage that grass. Now goats actually, they do like grass, but they love to forage. So they get up, they will do everything basically from the knee to as far up a tree or bush or shrub or rose or things that you want to get rid of or thin out and they will knee up the pigs, which we follow the goats with. So put the goats in, let them do their job and then move them to, to we'll, we'll say we put the goats, we start the goats in pasture A and then we move the goats to pasture B and we put the pigs in pasture A where the goats were and then the pigs, they do everything from the knee down, including the underground. They even bring the rocks up. So then you move the goats to C, the pigs to B, and you allow the first pasture, pasture A, to rest. And in a couple of weeks, you will see grass growth, even in the wilderness, even under the trees, because between the pigs awakening that ancient seed bed and the goats opening up the canopy you are regenerating that land you're regenerating that growth and the cycle goes on now there are places on the fields where we also use chickens and rabbits and pheasants and reading it looked like I would not be able to keep ringneck pheasants in what we refer to as a chicken tractor, which is really just a portable unit that allows the chickens, rabbits, pheasants to, especially the birds, to scratch up the ground, to turn the those grasses and, and that into what will become compost as they drop their natural fertilizer. And so we move them, the pheasants, which you can, we've been able to keep in a chicken tractor quite happily. They have calmed down. Pheasants are very flighty and they have calmed down to where they come up. They, they follow, they've learned how to move with the chicken tractor. They come up to us when we're feeding them, they'll pretty near eat, they'll actually eat out of the pan in our hand, which is pretty good for pheasants. But for our pheasants, ringneck pheasants, uh, chickens and rabbits, we move them every day, sometimes twice a day. 
and that keeps them on fresh pasture daily. So they're getting a fresh salad bear. Now, the birds especially, they scratch, they tear up that grass. You'll look where they were yesterday, and that would just be, <laughs> I'm going to say devastated. It's, it's a bunch of torn up ground and grass, and that, along with the droppings, helps to break down into natural compost. And when you look back on, say, where they were two days ago, or really where they were three or four days ago, now you're seeing not the torn up, shredded grass that they've knocked down, but you're seeing fresh grass, fresh growth, regenerative growth, and that allows us to continue each day moving them, but growing, regenerating more grass. So we've been there less than a year, and places that were where it was a burnout hayfield is now becoming thicker in grass and vegetative growth and things that were invasive like the lupins which are toxic especially to cattle and sheep now we have at least the center of the fields where there is basically no lupin or if it is, it's just a bottom lease of the lupin because we didn't allow them to grow up, produce seeds, lupin self-seed. And so the goats and the pigs can handle the lupins better than sheep or cattle would. And so just in the last few weeks, somebody actually gave us three sheep. A baby doll, South Down U, tag in the year, so she's she's registered, um, and a part baby doll, part Shetland U, and, and the same mix, the Abraham. And so we have three sheep now, and they're doing great um, because we use the goats and the pigs first. To help eradicate most of the lupin. Now the sheep kind of avoid the lupin. Uh, as long as they have other feed, other grasses that they are to graze on, then they don't have to eat the lupin and they're smart enough to avoid it. And the fact that we have kind of at least somewhat eliminated it from the fields using the animals. Now, I think, and this is what I thought a year ago, that it was probably going to take three to four years to eradicate the lupin and other invasive, toxic weeds that are growing there. Interestingly enough, about two weeks ago, we were talking to a friend of ours, Rob, and Rob, over the last three or four years, that's exactly what he's done. He has used pigs and goats on a property 
that was absolutely polluted in lupins. They're a beautiful flower, but they're a toxic weed. He has pretty much eliminated in a three to four year period the lupins that did grow rampantly on his property. So that was encouraging because not only are we seeing it in our first year at the Barron property, but we're also seeing, knowing now that Rob has already done this, that our three or four year plan for getting rid of that, for getting rid of those invasives, at least getting them under control so that we can have sheep and maybe someday cattle on the property. That has been very encouraging. Now, weather-wise, this has been a very challenging year, uh, really since last fall. We had so much rain last year that had we have had that rain in snow, we would have had six to eight feet of snow minimum on the ground most of the winter. Kind of in one way, thankfully, it come in rain. Don't have to shovel rain. The uh, But that has continued. Now, May was so dry and cold that I was going over to plant in the garden where till get the ground ready. And I was in the morning um, wearing, not really a winter jacket, but wearing a jacket because it was cold. And when I was tilling, the ground was so dry, I looked like Pigpen off of Charlie Brown and this big cloud of dust around me because of the tiller. And then planting things that need the soil warmed up, but also have 70, 80, 90, 100 days to reach maturity, so they needed to be planted then. All these things tie in together. They all become very challenging. Um, so in May, it was a dust bowl. In June, we had the rainiest June I think we've ever had. And um, there's a national park, Kejimakujik National Park, which is about 10 to 12 miles, as a crow flies, straight line, um, from us. And they were recorded as having their rainiest June ever. Uh, Nova Scotia's capital, Halifax, um, had the third rainiest June ever. And so where I had planted, especially in the potato rows, it was standing there in the potato rows. Now, how do you deal with that? First of all, thankfully, the potatoes had not yet blossomed, and the potatoes underground, the potato tuber underground, what we eat, that had not formed yet. Had it formed, had that already been formed, they probably would have rotted in the ground. Now what we do when we plant our potatoes, we also interplant them with green and yellow beans, and that helps to re repel the potato bugs. But because it was so wet, the beans didn't grow. They probably rotted. 
and that allowed the potato bugs to get a foothold and do major damage to our potatoes. But by the time the major damage was done, most of the potatoes had already started to grow the ground because I got in there and dug trenches to drain the water out of the garden. The ground dried enough and we've eaten some new potatoes and what you do the potatoes will blossom and then about it might even be some when they blossom but within two to three weeks after the potato blossoms that's when you begin to dig new potatoes then you wait for the plants to die down the the, the plants will die they they will wilt and die now these plants were dying because of the potatoes. And we tried to pick them and we tried to do some natural, um, I'm going to say silky water, um, natural repellents. Because here at Bryden Farm and over at the Brown property, the two properties about a mile apart, neither has had any chemicals used on it. And I think we can safely say over 30 or 40 years. That is hard to find these days. And so we don't want to use chemical sprays, insecticides, uh, chemical fertilizers. So everything that we're doing, um, first of all, we're doing it by hand. And we're doing it the natural way. So... It comes with its frustrations, it comes with its heartaches, it comes with its headaches. But now that we have some new potatoes and some peas, um, fresh garden peas, you can quite often find a pea pod with seven or eight peas in it. And sometimes nine is pretty standard. Up until this summer, I remember once or twice seeing 10 to 12 peas in a pod. And we had, the other day we went and picked peas, and I was shelling them out, and I had two pods. One had 11 and one had 12 peas in it. And the taste grown naturally without chemicals, without herbicides or pesticides the incredible taste and the green and yellow beans so you, you know you're, you dig out you pull out a potato plant if, if it hasn't dry, died back yet pull out a potato plant and a couple of the potatoes will come with it and then you dig in the soil and take out the potatoes and then next to that is a green or yellow bean plant growing and so you pick those and so two or three potato plants or where they were and you dig out those fresh new potatoes and you get those green and yellow beans with that delicious flavor and when you cook them up you, you break them up into uh, little half inch pieces and you put them in a pot of water that the beans and allow them to cook and then strain that water and add a little bit of butter to that and it is just incredible you go to our website, Bryden Farm, B R I D N Farm.com, you'll actually get to see some of 
the meals that we've been making. Our pigs, woodland pastured pork. So they have a mix of uh, field and forest pastures. And again, pigs get rotated. Pigs need to be rotated at least every two weeks. And again, we usually do it about every week, week and a half. And so they are on fresh pasture. You can go out and see the pigs. And they don't wag their tail like a dog, but their tails spin when they're happy. And all of our animals have names. Um, regardless of what their end-of-life bus will be, they are all humanely treated. And those that are slated for the freezer are as humanely dispatched at the end of their life as possible. And in most cases, I do that because I actually feel like I'm it's my last act of honoring that animal. Um, I've given it the best life possible for as long as possible. And that's a hard day. It's a hard day on me. It's an animal that I've named, that I've loved, that I've cared for. But one prime example of why it makes sense, even beyond the food aspect. If we have a chicken flock, and we do, in fact, our own chicken flock here at Bryden Farm, we, our goal is to breed the broody back into the hens. And what I mean by that is a number of the commercial, the commercial egg producers, the commercial meat producers, when they have a broody hen, and that's a hen that wants to sit on eggs and hatch them and have chicks. When your commercial producer has a broody hen, they usually get rid of it in whatever way they're able. And we actually want to, so what happens is those chicks are usually, any chicks that they do have are usually hatched in an incubator. Not sure you can hear that. My kitten is purring here beside me. The chicks on commercial operations are usually hatched in incubators so that it's convenient and time efficient for the commercial operator. So they're not allowed, the hens are not allowed to naturally hatch chicks. What happens is because the chicks have now been generations born from incubators, they have no mothering instinct. And most of them don't get broody. That is bred out of them. Well, here in our own chicken flock, we do our best to breed that back into them. And we've had, I think, out of about... 25, 20, 25 hens that we started this summer with, we have had, I believe, seven of them have hatched chicks. Now, those chicks, because they're raised by their mothers, they are taught how to naturally forage because our hens are truly free range. They're backyard chickens. 
that are allowed to go out and eat and catch bugs and do their job. And they're not here here at Bryden Farm. They're not kept even in a chicken tractor. At the barn property, those hens that we keep in chicken tractors, they actually come to us when they're about a year old from free range operations, commercial operations. And we put them, because they are used to being intensively farmed, we put them in chicken tractors, which they're more than happy, and we move them daily and they get a fresh salad. But our own hens here that are hatching out their own babies, they, half of those babies, on average, half of those babies are going to be roosters. Now what happens is, when a chicken gets to be about five or six months old, it becomes mature, and the hens begin to lay eggs, and the roosters begin to crow, and when those roosters begin to crow, they take an interest in the hens. And those roosters, if you have too many, the roosters being the males, if you have too many, they will kill each other in a bloodbath. So it makes sense to process for food the males. And that's not something that we do lightly, but we do eat meat. And I do that uh, with a, a very clear conscience. Um, we raise pigs. In fact, we just, uh, Lara, her Berkshire sow, she farrowed, gave birth uh, for the first time to eight healthy baby piglets in April. And we left them, we sold two. And we left the other six with Lara at the barren property right up until about a week ago because the males are now to the age where they'll soon become mature. And they would be, if left all together, they would be mating with their mom and sister because that's animal kind. We didn't want that. And so... We waited, and we brought them three boys that we had left, and three girls are still with their mom. The three boys, which will in the fall most likely get processed for me, we brought them over here to Bryden Farm, and they will get treated ethically as pets right up till the end. And they will have fresh woodland pasture, and get the best of care. And unfortunately, when in nature and in farming, when there are too many males, those males either get chased off or killed off by the other males in the pack or herd. And so farming makes use of the surplus males and sometimes females for various reasons. But that just gives you a little explanation as to how 
what and why we do what we do. But in the process, the land is getting regenerated. Even here at Brighton Farm, where we're on the hillside and in the wilderness, we see the goats and the pigs and the chickens and the ducks and the rabbits and what they are able to accomplish. And where there was forest, we now have pastures. And where there was forests that become pastures, we now have garden. And so we're able to better sustain ourselves and provide better treatment to the animals and help regenerate, rejuvenate the land around us. So hopefully that gives you a little understanding about how we operate at Bryden Farm, a little bit of knowledge about our gardens and our animals, and just allowing us all to catch up. And who do I see? It's either listening, actively listening, or walk by the room. I see Chuck and Truly Julie. B channel, tailor-made, Lois, Hampson, Hampson, Cassandra, Deanne, Michael J, Cecilia Grace, thank you for coming on. I don't know how to pronounce that, T-S-O-L-O, T-S-O-L-O, maybe? You'll have to let me know sometime. Penny Frampton? Terry and Marcy Hand. Many of them have become wonderful wisdom friends. And some, I think, lifetime friends. On perhaps the only social networking platform that allows, truly allows that to happen at least in my humble opinion. If there are any of you who are listening, I'm going to end this talk soon, but if there are any of you who are listening and you'd like to come up and say hello, please hit the Join the Conversation button, whether you have before or not. be glad to hear from you. Hey, Chuck, I see your message. All right. If I'm going to say three, two, one. And then if there is nobody, um, I thank you for listening and allowing me to fill you in a little bit. And if you want to check us out further, Bryden Farm, B-R-I-D-E-N-Farm.com and BrydenFarm.Productions for all of our past videos and podcast episodes. All right, friends and family. You have a wonderful day, or busy time of year. It's still going to go on for another couple of months, so I'm not sure how active I'll be on here, but I am doing my best to at least listen and follow up on messages occasionally. Have a wonderful day, everyone. Ciao for now.